This episode of the Restoration Today podcast is brought to you by CoreLogic. From hazard and structure risk solutions to end-to-end claims and restoration job management software, CoreLogic and NextGear provide all the tools carriers and contractors need to exceed customer expectations through the entire supply chain. To learn more, visit corelogic.com slash restoration. Hey, Restorers. Thanks for checking out a fresh episode of the Restoration Today podcast. Today, I'm excited to be joined by truly one of my faves in the industry, Sherry Rose. She is the CEO of Stellar Brands, which R1 is under that umbrella. If you're wondering what Stellar Brands is, Restoration One. Um, she is a dynamo female leader in the industry and always a lot of fun to talk to. So I'm excited to have her back on the podcast to talk all things restoration, the trends that she's seeing, what's happening in franchising. Um, and I always like hearing what's happening at R1 because they are different than the other franchise networks out there. And I love that. So Sherry, thank you very much for being here. Um, I'm going to toss it over to you to have you introduce yourself for people who don't know you yet. Uh, Thank you for having me. It's so fun. I've looked forward to this. I love checking back in with you and I love seeing you at at, um, industry events too. It's just like old home week. So glad to be back. I'm so excited to be part of Restoration One. That's not changed in three years. Um, So uh, Restoration One is part of a, a portfolio company, as you mentioned, part of the Stellar Service Brands. Um, It was really the company that drew me uh, to this whole fun endeavor. My history is with ServiceMaster. I was there for 16 years. Uh, Most of my time on the franchise side, the last three years at Terminex. And this just was a huge opportunity to get involved in something growing and young. And I love the industry and what we do and what we stand for. So it was an easy decision to get involved already three years ago, which is crazy to think about. So what does Restoration One stand for? You said what the brand stands for. And what is what are some of your big differentiators as a franchise in the space? There it seems like there's a new franchise opportunity almost popping up every few weeks now at this point. It's such a big market and people trying to get in here because it's economic resistant and all those things. So what is it about Restoration One that makes it so unique? It really has to do with our mission and our values. It, For us, the customer in front of us is our customer, and we see everyone else as an ally. And I think that's really important when you have multiple interests at play with a customer. That's what makes this industry dynamic and complicated on a good day. So when you approach it that we're all allies, but the homeowner or the property manager in front of me is my customer what drew me to the network and what just continues to keep me excited about the network is when you when you do that it frees up a lot of energy um to to solve the problem mm-hmm. and i don't want to make it sound like we're not solving the problem in the industry i think we are solving the problem but i think the tension is around who is the customer and that for us in restoration 1 is how we've answered it. And that's how we've positioned ourselves. But it's also how the franchisees locally um, see themselves. So it's, it's aligned all the way through. So what's happened with R1 this year? How is the growth going? You have new franchisees? What's going on? Been a great year. Again, a dynamic network. We had huge attendance at our convention this summer. Um, And so it was just so great to get everybody together. We continue to make progress, great progress 
in solidifying strategy, improving execution, and really fine-tuning communication. Um, I spoke at convention and used the word community, and I don't use it lightly. I, I actually believe in community. I think, you know, we've talked about my background. I grew up in a family business. My dad was a welder. My mother ran the office. They were involved in community politics because everything happens locally. So whoever is on the building committee, like if you're in anything to do with buildings, you want to know who those people are. So community is very important. Franchising is beautiful because of community any franchise network. It's really the power of the community, I think, is the secret sauce. So we talked a lot about community and building our strength and continuing to drive momentum because of the growing strength of our community. So what's new in, restora in Restoration One is just continued conversation about our mission, our values, but also the power of community. And that's where a ton of energy has been this year. So it's it's been a really, really fun year. It's not over yet. Like any uh, corporate person until like the last bell rings, it's not over, but it's it's been a great run so far. And we're very, we're very um, optimistic about the year. So what do you look for in a franchisee? What are some of your requirements? Do you accept just anybody or are there some very specific parameters that people need to fit in? Uh, we attract. First of all, I think if you attract people into the disaster restoration industry, you've already done a cut of prospects because you have to be willing. This is this is one of the versions of dirty jobs. <laughs> and so it's a fabulous industry. It's a way to serve. It's a way to give back. And so you naturally draw people that are interested in that. And then you have the cut of people have to be willing to be involved in dirty jobs and you have to be willing to be involved in emergency situations. So you already get some really great candidates because of just those first filters for the industry. For us, we're looking more and more for community. So we've actually started this year involving franchisees earlier in the process to participate and to share with prospects their perspective, not only of the industry, but of our network. I would love to see franchisees involved in helping determine who comes into the community. Mm -hmm. So that's been really interesting. So I would say we're looking for community and we're looking for people that, that can sell locally. Yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's right. a whole thing. So one <laughs> of the big things, at least from the outside that happened in our one this year was some private equity coming in with one of the franchisees specifically, which that might've happened in other franchise groups. I've not heard of it as publicly as this happened. So I think I'm, I'm curious what that was like on the franchisor side and what those conversations were like to agree to allow PE to come in, what that looks like now. Obviously, Scott, the franchisee, has major growth goals and has been a very successful franchisee, I think, since the beginning. So what was that whole process like to allow PE to come in when you're also a franchisor? We had to step back and think for a minute. I bet. And I can remember sitting around the table with really key stakeholders and lead in the rest of the leadership team. And we had to actually step back far and think about this is not new in other industries. Yeah. So there are other franchisors that have already gone down this path. 
And so I tapped some of my network, other people tapped some of theirs. We did some due diligence as far as how other franchisors and other segments have dealt with it. We really saw it as very positive, not only for Scott, but for our network vision setting, um, but also the vote of confidence in the model and for how valuable the model is. So that was a whole discussion because, you know, from a from a franchisor perspective, we have to think it think about it from Scott's perspective, but we also have to think about it from the franchisor perspective and other all the other franchisees and then the industry. So after careful consideration of those things, we also met with um, the group traction that that um, invested with Scott, and we found them to be a very good potential partners because for us it was about a partnership like almost like evaluating franchisees is this a, is this an investment partner for this franchisee that will be aligned and be a good support as we drive the brand forward we were very impressed with traction scott was very thoughtful in his due diligence and had been very careful in his own evaluation and we we could validate all of it and so it went forward. I'll tell you what, it, op it, it opened up kind of the, the world of possibilities to our franchise owners. It has opened up a world of possibility even further for Scott. He was very prepared for this and has partnered very well. And they are a great partnership. And um, we really enjoy the partnership with Traction. So, you know, it, it, it was an unknown, but we felt like it was a calc a very positively bent calculation and very happy for um for all involved. It's it's working very well. Awesome. I love that. What are some of the big challenges your franchisees are facing right now? I'm guessing that they kind of mirror the rest of the industry a little bit, but what are maybe the top three frustrations or challenges right now? Uh labor. Uh -huh. Number one. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's talking about labor. Yep. I have no answer for labor other than, you know, we've done some, a lot of reinforcement around um, it's the tactical things you do, but it's mm -hmm. also the culture you're building. Yes. And if you're not a good culture, you just, you not only will you not attract, you won't retain. And in this environment, you have to be all. So we've done a lot of that. Uh, so I would say labor. It's on everybody's mind. Everybody's talking about it. But I think there are some interesting trends coming and we can talk about that too. Second is technology. Mm -hmm. uh, disaster restoration does not have very clear technology solutions that are evident for all, particularly if you've kind of picked the path that we're on. Um, and so we talk about it a lot because we realize that we're going to have to be okay in some gray and yeah. allow variation in the network and decide where the places are that it makes sense to invest. So technology is second. The third is the customer voice for us. How do we hear the customer better? Mm. Um, this year we rolled out BirdEye and we kicked it off at convention. That's the first time we've put a piece of technology in place across all brands that's so robust and really listens to customer sentiment across 
all platforms. There are other things out there that do the same thing. And we had done some things, but we really decided to pivot, go into bird eye and so far so good. Again, we're trying to dial up the customer voice Mm -hmm. so that that's in the mix. I think that's again in, because the customer who the customer is, is actually complicated making sure you're hearing the homeowner, particularly it's pretty focused today on residential is, is important. So um, that investment for us this year uh, was a step in that direction. Going back to your first point about talent, hiring all those, that issue, um, you mentioned culture and creating dynamic culture. So what are a few things that you see some of your franchisees doing that really kind of blow it out of the park with culture that are a little, maybe more unique? We see more and more that franchisees not only have embraced the values, the mission and values for Restoration One, but you can see on their LinkedIn posts or when you visit, they're posting them like we've not dictated that. They not only have embraced them, they're executing them in their businesses and they're living it. And they're that's causing the culture. We've seen a lot of franchisees move toward much more specific training investment for their staff. We've supported them with investing in REITs. So REITs is available. Um, We've got IICRC resources for them available. Of course, we use other things. And so we've been proactive in putting tools out there, but I've watched franchisees go above and beyond in really leaning into training to better equip their staff. So training has been big. Um, And then I think franchisees really understand the value of key employees. Mm. And I'm seeing communication with key employees increase. And we're seeing key employees lean in and provide great insight through the franchisee, but also in their own peer community. So we are actually hearing more from those really key players in the network which is a, it's, it's a very good sign. I would love for you to share um, maybe a memorable story from this year so far that maybe a franchisee had, maybe it's a loss in a customer that they really helped or something memorable from convention. I, I didn't get to go to your convention this year because there was a conflict, but I went last year and I remember how impressed I was with how your franchisees interact with each other and just the overall feeling of your convention. So anyway, I would love for you to share a story that stands out from for you from 2023 so far. I would say it has to be from an our FAC. So we kicked off a franchise advisory council this year. Again, trying to open up communication and even more. And so franchisees voted for these members so three regions, two per member, two members per region with a term, and then they voted on a chair. And we've had a meeting a quarter, like this is the first of hopefully many, many, many years of this. And the most kind of a, a, a point for me in the year of just something that I'll remember is sitting at that table for the first time with our newly elected representatives and our franchisees chose very well. And hearing their heart about wanting to give back and serve their franchise community and the passion that they they come to it, 
you can be afraid of a franchise council. Like, you know, that like when you open that door, you better be ready to listen mm -hmm. and to be aware. And, you know, they have been fabulous in being very engaged and respectful, but also very sensitive to the network and raising those issues or concerns or um, points of view in just very respectful ways. So I'm really thrilled this year with those gentlemen uh, on this first kind of maiden voyage of our FAC. We just continue to get, we always, you know, in restoration, you get so many incredible stories of just customer hero pieces. Um, we've got two franchisees that have just, there are newer franchisees that we got to recognize at convention for being um, rookie. We, we, our rookie of the year had an incredible story out of DC. And this is someone who was within hours of shutting things down because he wasn't making any money to an FC taking him under his wing. And he did what the FC said. And today he's not, he, he's well on his way over a million. And so from, you know, depths of despair year, you know, first year mm -hmm. to second year, literally doing the system, doing the process and just being so desperate that you have, you know, what else do, what do I have to lose at this point? And it paying off such in such dividend. Um, yeah, we are, he, he is an incredible example. He drove by a huge college complex that I'll keep unnamed. Cause you know, some of these, they don't want to know, they don't want it yeah. Um, yeah. noted when they've had losses, but he drives past a college complex and the FC had said to him, what are you driving past it for? Walk in. So he got his courage up, opened it, parked the car, got out, found the property management office. Like how hard is that? <laughs> Knocked on the door, introduced himself. And the property management was like, step back, like what? And he has gotten so much work from that college. He's their first person they call. And all he did was and the hardest part, parked the car, got out, that looked for the door part. and didn't give up and introduced himself. That's that it. That is the hardest part. Gosh, uh, isn't it? It is. It is. Those, those are the hardest parts of running and growing a business. I think that's, a, that's an awesome story. Are you finding that your franchisees across the other brands at Stellar are facing kind of the same challenges or I'm sure that there have to be some differences here and there, but same overarching challenges, same challenges. The only difference for uh blue frog plumbing and drain and soft rock is they, their industries have very obvious technology solutions. Yeah. So you just get more out of the box that you just put in place. And so we don't have as much technology challenge with, with those brands, but recruiting customer voice, those are pretty much across all. Do you have more franchisees who are, who own more than one brand under Stellar? Cause they kind of work together. Not yet. We have people interested. We have a couple. I think these businesses are so young. It's probably young in life cycle. I wouldn't be surprised if over time you saw more and more. Yeah. I know that like your stores are always looking for leads from plumbers and stuff like that. So that can yeah. be a natural kind of progression. So I was curious about yes. that. Yeah, so a couple. Um, so I was doing a little, just like little background stuff. And I saw that you have a degree in psychology and I'm curious, <laughs> I'm curious how that's played into you as a leader and how that, that background and foundation has 
morphed you into who you are today. I mean, you've been a high up leader in several big brands over the years. And so how has that psychology degree in the background played a role in that? Wouldn't my parents be happy to know that that degree paid off, uh, which they think they do, but you know, how, how where are you going to be? Like, good question. Um, I think that a little bit about from my experience growing up, but also from my early business experiences with all the mentors and great leaders I had exposure to, I think where psychology fits in is so much of leadership for me is aligning the talent of others. And so I find myself, and honestly, that's been, it hasn't been a challenge because I feel like I'm the only one that can do it. And I, you know, it's more of a challenge because I'm a doer by nature. And so I've had to learn Mm -hmm. that I, where I can do, where it doesn't confuse things and where others need to be put in the right place to do and giving them the space to do it. So for me, the liberal arts degree that I got really is, has really equipped me in a way to, you know, for me, I think one of my biggest require job responsibilities is talent. And just the search for talent. Once you've hired someone, it's only begun. Like you have to keep digging And you have to be willing to communicate and sometimes hard things. And I think my education helped equip that. Actually, experience helps equip it all the way. I mean, I could tell you hilarious stories from my early, early years at Jenny Craig. And honestly, I was supposed to give really hard feedback to this really hard person. And my supervisor coached me, coached me, coached me. Are you set? I'm set. I went in. I didn't do it. She called me back. She said, did you do this? And I couldn't lie. I said, no. She said, okay, good. Do it again tomorrow. And I had to sleep with my eyes open all night thinking about the fact that I had to go back in and do it. So, you know, you have a few of those experiences. You kind of toughen up and you realize communication is your tool. And I, I find that today in leadership with franchisees. This is not a branch organization. I do not make leadership decisions within their businesses, but I am here to cast vision, to inspire, to drive action. And you have to do that with good talent and good communication. And so all of this is kind of worked together, I think, for that. And I don't have a stomach to to fight with everybody. I really don't. I'm just like, you know what? We're all aligned. We all want the same thing here. We need top line. We need bottom line. We need happy customers to do it. We can all get to a rational place. We can. I love your uh, your story about having to, at Jenny Craig, having to communicate. I've run into that. My degree's in public relations. And I've found as a leader that I've put a PR spin on my tough conversations sometimes. And then the message is missed. If you're not delivering it clearly and concisely, it's like, no, Michelle, you don't get to PR spin your business conversations all the time. So I don't know we do these things and we learn as we go. Right. But okay. Anything else that you want to share or talk about anything? we haven't? No, we've kicked off 2024 strategic planning. So we had a really robust process last year. That's been very effective for us. And we're all that much smarter, right? Like, so we have, we laid the track. So it was less painful 
And we're just very eager to get um, things on the board for 24 already, which is nuts that we're already talking about it. But yeah, the planning has already started with our, uh, we just got our um, our annual FBR survey results. We've had our FAC weigh in, you know, just gathering all the information. I'm just feeling very bullish about having a good finger on the pulse, mm-hmm. not always perfect, certainly, but a, at least a good one and um, where that will will drive us in the future. So um, we're feeling really excited for not only our franchisees, but the industry um, and, you know, what, what continues to be accomplished. You have any big goals for 2024 that you want to share or maybe not yet? It's a little early, but we're, uh, we're talking a lot about AI um, in the technology piece. I I said to someone recently, they, she, she asked me, how do you feel about AI? I said, look, some days I feel like I should be running away from it. Mm-hmm. You know, should I be running toward it? And she's like, you have to run toward it. So, you know, we're really challenging ourselves. I don't know how it's going to pan out, but with where can AI fit appropriately to increase efficiency and productivity? Yep. I know that it's not going to fix a leaky pipe, you know, or dry a wall. I know that. But where does it have a place? That's what we're thinking about as just a part of 24. Like we, where can we be very um, thoughtful and put it in some places and see, you know, do we gain efficiency or productivity? That's a great thought. I agree. I feel like that's like the number one topic in the industry right now. We're going to do a webinar at the end of the year talking about AI and what's coming. And I know CoreLogic and a lot of the big companies are working on a lot. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I think it's going to be fun to see in the next few years where we pan out. It still doesn't it. Well, I'm old enough to know it. Doesn't it feel like the beginning of the internet? Like, like all the horses are out, like everybody's racing and you don't really know yet who the winners will be, but you know enough that you've got to start playing with it and thinking about it. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see where it goes, but we both know that it's never going to replace the human element of our industry. And that's why we, and that's why we, and I love um, home services. You know, someone still has to walk up to the front door. Yep. Or go find the property manager and get all the jobs in that university. (laughs) Somebody's still going to do that. Yes. Yeah. Cause that human beings making that decision. So yeah, it's still human beings making these decisions and we still need to go find them. Yes. Well, Sherry, thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you hopefully at a number of shows in 2024. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Good luck with all your 2024 planning. Thank you. Take care. Look forward to seeing you soon. For more restoration today and the latest news, visit our website, cnrmagazine.com and find the latest episodes of the Restoration Today podcast on your favorite podcasting platform.